There's something happening, and it's new. God is building sandwiches. You might wonder what type of sandwich would God build? Well, he's going to build a sandwich that's power-packed, that's going to have all the nutrients that you need, that is going to have everything that's going to help you to get from point A to point B. It's going to be a sandwich of substance, (laughs) and it's going to be a sandwich that's going to endure. It's not going to be flimsy, and it's not going to be a piece of bread. It's going to be a power-packed lunch. And that's going to be what we're going to talk about today. Our guest is Jonathan Brenneman. And Jonathan has just written a book called The Power and Love Sandwich. And he is so convinced that this sandwich is going to revolutionize lunches for everyone. So thank you for calling in. He's actually calling in from Rio de Janeiro. So welcome to Touch by Prayer, Jonathan Brenneman. Thank you, Lisa. This is so, this is so fun. You know, we've been kind of going back and forth because the Lord really put it on my heart to have you on because besides this book, you've been blogging and you've been doing so many cool things, but you know, God has really given you some like downloads of, of different topics, especially things in the Bible that have been so misunderstood. So I know one of them that he's given you is about the book of Job because people go back to the book of Job to basically qualify the trials and tribulations that they go through. But I think that God has kind of shown you something different, correct? Yeah. <laughs> so can you, yeah. can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah. Well, um, you know, the the Lord healed me when I was a child. I, I didn't expect anything, but I was nine years old, and my, I woke up with a lot of back pain. My mom said, why don't I pray for you? So I, I said, kind of whatever. <laughs> but she said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And I felt a, like a ball of energy start rolling up and down inside my back. I said, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> and she said, I'm not doing anything. Jesus is healing you. And so um, that that experience convinced me that God existed. But through most of my teenage years, I was uh, very hungry to see the Lord work. And I read stories of miracles in, in other countries and other places. And, and I felt like, why doesn't it happen for me? And I was convinced that it was probably usually God's will to heal. But then I, I thought about, what about Job? And what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? And so um, whenever I laid hands on someone as a teenager, nothing happened. And I got very discouraged because I thought maybe God didn't want to do it this time or maybe I just don't have enough faith. So uh, it was when I was about 20 years old that I got a new uh, a new picture um, and I was I became convinced from Scripture that it was always God's will to heal. And I remember Bill Johnson and, and Joe McIntyre were there. And Joe McIntyre talked about Paul's thorn in the flesh. So he convinced me that the thorn in the flesh was not a sickness. And it was actually something that God would have Paul overcome. And uh, Bill Johnson talked about Job a little bit. Bill Johnson uh, talked about the revelation of the supreme revelation of God through Jesus and that it's that Jesus. It's before we saw Jesus, uh, there was no clear revelation of uh, of the Father. You know, uh, but Jesus said, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." So I I started to study Job more, and I realized that Job said that um, in, in the book of Job, I found that Job needed a mediator. He cried out for a mediator, one that could come between him and God. And he wanted to approach God face to face. And it said that it also says in Job that if there was an atonement, his flesh would become like the flesh of a child and his health and his youth would be restored to him. And so all of those things we have in the New Testament, because it says that Jesus is the mediator between us and God in Timothy. And at first, John, it says that he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the fact that Jesus came in the flesh means that we can approach God face to face, uh, that God is no longer far off like Job felt that he was. And so in the beginning of the book of Job, Satan came against Job with accusation. And that's the same way that Satan comes against us. Um, it, It talks about that in Revelation, that he's the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses them day and night before God's throne. 
But it says that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and because we don't love our lives unto death. So the the book of Job is pointing to what we need and what we have in Jesus. We have the very thing that Job needed to overcome the accuser. We have the blood of the lamb. We have the blood of Christ. We have an atonement and a mediator. Um. The the point of the book of Job, it, it shows us that even the best of us need Jesus. Um, in Romans, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Job wasn't sinless. When it says that he was righteous or blameless, we, we read that different places in the Old Testament. It talks about David that way, but we know that David wasn't sinless either. So uh, even the best of us, we, we need an atonement and a mediator to overcome the accuser of the brethren. Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, Job would actually get up and he would when he would wake, he would actually burn sacrifices or or atonement, so to speak, for his children so that they wouldn't sin. What the Lord kind of showed me, it was that it was fear. He was afraid. That's sort of how Satan was able to kind of come against him. He used the fear factor to come in. Because the thing that Job said is he said, the thing I have feared most has come upon me. So there was a fear that was there. And I think that sometimes, you know, we become fearful that maybe God doesn't want to heal us or maybe that we deserve to be sick. And I believe that that fear is not truth and that fear is a lie from the pit of hell. That's true. Fear has to do with condemnation. Uh, so... The Bible says that in First John that perfect love casts out fear. And it also says in Romans that we know, uh, we know God's love. Um, it also says this in First John. We know God's love and that he gave his son for us, you know. And in Romans, well, we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. So, um, a lot of the fear has to do with the accusation. And there's so many people they're they're even sick because of their sin, because they were smoking and they got lung cancer or they got a sexually transmitted disease. But in Scripture, forgiveness of sins and healing always go together. So um, it says, for example, Psalm 103, he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So when we understand God's forgiveness. Uh, healing goes right hand in hand with that. In Isaiah 53, it says, it's the same language. It says, in the, if you look in the original language, that he carried our sins, and he carried our pains, and he carried our sicknesses. And those words in Isaiah 53, pains and sicknesses, are the same words used in the book of Job to describe Job's suffering. Jesus carried them just the same way that he carried our sins. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's, see, that's the whole thing. There are so many people, especially believers. I mean, they love Jesus and they use these scriptures just like we'll, we'll go back when you were saying that Paul had the thorn in his side and they'll go back. They'll say, well, see, see, God even allowed Paul to have the thorn in his side to keep him, to, to make him sick or to make him inadequate or, or to cause him to remind himself that he was not God. And, and so they'll use these scriptures to go back to say, well, God, I believe that God wants to heal, but I don't believe that he wants to heal everybody, that some people he chooses to take to heaven. And I have a really hard time agreeing with that. Well, yeah, um, Joe McIntyre got me looking into that, and so a lot of what I understood was from what he taught about 10 years ago. And I, after I heard him, I kind of looked into it more, and I made some other connections. So what I learned about that, um, the, the, the passage about the thorn in the flesh, it says it's an angel of Satan. Now, some, some versions say angel, some say messenger. But the word is angelos in Greek. And it's actually usually translated angel in the Bible. It's an angel of Satan sent to buffet him. The whole context in there is Paul talking about his persecutions. He doesn't mention any sickness. It's just speculation. The whole context points to persecution. But it was to, to buffet him so that he would not be too highly exalted. 
And this was something that Joe McIntyre showed me that really revolutionized the, the way I saw a lot of things. Um, in Scripture, to exalt yourself is pride. For example, Scripture talks about the man of sin who exalts himself above everything that is called God. But every time we see being exalted in Scripture, it's pointing to humility. And it's, it's pointing to God's blessing. It's pointing to the Lord exalting us. Um, and we, we could talk about, uh, for example, it says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you in due time. And Jesus said, All who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. So when we look in, in that passage, this thorn in the flesh wasn't even to keep Paul from becoming proud. It wasn't to keep him from be exalting himself, but from becoming exalted. And Paul had these revelations of the Lord's glory that would exalt him, would lift him spiritually to a place of, of such revelation, of such a heavenly perspective that it was going to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. And that was, that was the point of these revelations from God. You know, the Lord gave him revelations to exalt him, to, to advance the kingdom of heaven. So Paul humbled himself. You know, just like Daniel. Daniel had visions and revelations because he humbled himself before the Lord. And so Satan, it was an angel of Satan that was sent to keep Paul from being exalted by the Lord. <laughs> Not to keep him from becoming proud. And then Paul asked the Lord to remove this, and the Lord refused. The Lord said, um, the Lord refused three times and said, my power is made perfect for you in weakness. Well, uh, I, I looked into that, and just because the Lord refused to remove the thing from Paul, uh, why would God refused to remove an angel of Satan from Paul that was keeping God's will from being accomplished, you know. God wanted Paul to overcome that, you know. And the the um, imagery of the thorn goes back to the Old Testament because the Old Testament talks about pagan peoples like the Canaanites, Perizzites, and, and Hittites that were, they're often taught as figurative of demonic powers when we read the Old Testament. And God said if the Israelites, first God said to the Israelites, I'm going to give you the promised land. But then God said, you must drive out the inhabitants of the promised land. You must take it. So we see both in scripture. God is giving them territory, but they also had to take it. They had to drive out the inhabitants. And there's a place where it said, and God said, if you don't drive these people out from before you, they're going to be a thorn in the flesh. Or the, uh, it was like a thorn in the side to you. So Paul is making an allusion to the Old Testament. Th this this um, saying thorn in the flesh is figurative. It's representative of demonic powers that we need to drive out from the territory that the Lord would have us take. And in, in one place it says the Lord did not drive these peoples out from before the Israelites all at once because he wanted the future generations of Israelites to learn war. Right, So he wanted them to drive out these peoples. And I just say it this way, God doesn't pluck us out of every battle that we're in. You know? But he equips us. He definitely equips us. He gives us revelation if we go to him. And I think that sometimes that's the biggest problem is that, you know, God will give us the revelation. He will give us the strategies. But sometimes we think, oh, what was me? God has given me this. So therefore he must want this. So therefore I'm not going to seek instruction. But you're just going to keep asking for God to pluck it out. But it was very clear that Jesus said, I have given you authority and there are so many things we're asking God to do when Jesus is like I mean I told you to do it I didn't say I was going to do it I've given you authority to do it and I think it's kind of stretching that mindset to believe that we're little Jesuses I mean I know it's it's such a crazy concept for people because they they don't want to take that that identification as having everything but but when Jesus got filled with the Holy Spirit is when he started to operate. And so we, as believers, have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Well, we can do the things that Jesus did and, and so many more, according to the scripture. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
And see, that's what, what God wanted. You see through the whole biblical story from the beginning, God wanted a partnership with man. He wanted fellowship with man. You know, and we see it throughout scripture, partnership with the spirit of God and, and men. And so uh, God always, it says in Second Corinthians 2.14, God always leads us in triumphant procession. He always has victory for us. But he doesn't always pluck us out of the the battle. It says um, in another place, it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, God has victory for us, but he wants us. It talks about sharing in the Lord's sufferings that we may share in his glory. And the, the, the New Testament talks about suffering according to God's will. But suffering according to God's will is that we take part with God in confronting evil. Just as Jesus, he, he left heaven and he went to a, a, a dark and suffering earth. And he, Jesus suffered because, he, uh, because of love. And he confronted evil. And so the Lord calls us to suffer in that we confront evil. We go out to where people are hurting. You know, Heidi Baker went to Africa, confronted tremendous suffering, you know, and she suffered in the process. But that that biblical view of suffering gets perverted when we see it as just saying this is God's will. And we think that we're to lie down and let Satan beat us up. I agree with that. And, and, you know, that, I think that's the biggest problem for the church. I mean, when was the last time, unless you go to the right types of churches, what are the things that, that, you know, some churches are saying? Some churches are saying, well, you pray for the sick and you pray for the needy, but don't pray for yourselves because that's selfish. You need to, you're supposed to die on to self, so you pray for others. But I disagree with that. I believe that you pray for others, but you also pray for yourself. I believe that you, you heal others, but you also, if needed, you go for healing. Some of the things that keep people in bondage is because they are, some of them are, are too prideful, and I hate to use that, but some people are too prideful to ask for help. I know I've been in that situation where it's like, woe me, pity me, but yet not reaching out, and the Lord really like assaulted me and said, you need to go and get your brothers and sisters to surround you to help pull you out of this funk. Because if you get stuck in mud, you can't pull yourself out. You need somebody above you to yank you out. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a command in Scripture. It says if you're sick, you should call the, the elders of the church to lay hands on you. And the, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Um, but uh, about... You know, being healed yourself or ministering to yourself. When I started laying hands on people, it was very hard to minister to myself and I'd still get the, you know, like a cold <laughs> at the same way. <laughs> I'd just be feeling really bad for a few days, you know, but I, I didn't let that stop me from ministering to other people. Um, because the Holy Spirit was still working and people were still being healed and, and that had nothing to do with my cold, but it was, it was kind of frustrating. And, and I think it was because my focus <laughs> got on the cold, but I tried to say, in, in Jesus' name, cold be healed, you know, to my cold. My, my focus got on the cold, and it was a little hard to deal with. Um, but then, you know, over time, I started to experience being healed of, of colds um, and being healed of things myself. And usually that happened. My focus would just be so much on the Lord's presence that I wasn't even thinking of the cold. The first time that happened was before I went to uh, on a mission trip to Russia, and I got very, very sick. <laughs> I had a terribly sore throat, and, and I was planning to go to Russia to teach people about healing and to heal the sick, you know, so it seemed like it was really bad. Um, and I just, uh, but there was this, I was very tired. I've been working roofing all day, all week. Uh, I felt very sick, but there was a... There was some, like, some guest uh, ministers coming to our church, and they were having a worship conference. So I really wanted to go to this so bad that I didn't care that I was sick. So I went to the conference, and I started singing to the Lord. I just became overwhelmed with thankfulness for all the ways that the Lord delivered me, that he saved me in the past. And I, I sing, sing to the Lord, and you know, my whole body starts to vibrate, like um, starting with, my my face and my hands, 
And it, it became very powerful and very supernatural. And I'm wondering, how can I be feeling something so supernatural and still be sick? But half an hour later, all the symptoms were gone. I was completely better. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you know, Peter, his shadow healed people. And it's because he was walking in the glory. And even in the glory, even if you're in the shadow of the glory, you, there's healing. Exactly. Because it's all about a heart revelation of the nature of God and the goodness of Jesus. Mm. When you see the Lord, your face becomes brilliant, you know. My my grandmother um, didn't believe in visions at one time. She believed in healing and things like that, but she was a little skeptical of visions. Um, Some people prayed for her. She she fell on the ground. For uh, She was just lying there in the grass, and, and she met Jesus. Jesus came to her with his, she said his eyes were just full of love, mm. and it just penetrated her very being. And he took her to the Father, and the Father was so bright and, and so full of light that uh, she couldn't even see his face. The Father took her up onto his lap, and he said, I love you. And that's... Most of what she remembered from the experience, and, and they say she was on the ground for a long time. But um, when she woke up, she didn't know what happened. <laughs> she was kind of confused. Um, but her knee was healed. She had, she had just had a surgery and was having a lot of pain in her knee, and her knee was healed after this experience. Well, she just had an experience that she didn't believe in. <laughs> and she told us about it a few days later. Her face was radiant. It looked like she was 10 years younger and, and so um, when, when you look to the Lord, it says in Psalms, look to the Lord and be radiant. You know, be, be filled with the light of the Lord. Stephen, they were stoning him to death and he was looking up into heaven and seeing the glory of God. You know, even the unbelievers could see that his, his, his face was full of light. Yeah. You know? and, and so it's, in, yeah. it's interesting because, you know, what is the, the prayer, I think, from Deuteronomy where it says, may the Lord shine his face upon you. See, there's a reason. I, I don't. Is that Deuteronomy? I think it is Deuteronomy. Yes. I, think that's a, <laughs> I, I think that's a saying in the, a, a kind of saying in the Old Testament yeah. that yeah. may the Lord have favor on you. Yes, and it was like may His face shine upon you. And it's been interesting because there have been times that I've been in worship and I actually could feel the light shining on one side of my face that I would actually turn my face so the light would be on all of me. Because it would come yeah. from like, and, and it was interesting because I kept hearing that verse, may the, may the light of the Lord shine upon you, because it's his glory. That's the light. The light is the glory. The light is Jesus. Jesus came to bring light into a dark world. He also wants us to be the light because the Holy Spirit living inside of us is the light. So, I mean, there's a, a whole thing about the, the glory and the light. And I believe it's, it's when we allow that light to shine. I believe that's where we see some of the biggest miracles. That's where I believe that we see the biggest transition of people's lives. I, I see sickness leave. I, I see humps and bumps disappear and legs grow out. But it, it's not because we're coming there, you know, begging the father to do it but we're just releasing what's inside of us exactly that that's why that's how i was healed uh when i it wasn't even praying it was just i just began to see the eyes of my heart were opened i began to see the lord and that that, that cold just couldn't stay anymore you know and um in the old testament there's a word for the glory of God. We, we read about the glory, and if you study it, you start to understand it's the nature of God. It's a revelation of his love. But the, the word literally means a weightiness. And it, it's like it's a, the goodness of God is that is so real and so tangible that it actually has substance. You can feel it. Um, so in the, the Bible, when we read about people encountering the glory of the Lord, it's this really incredible thing. They couldn't stand. <laughs> you yeah. know, they fell on the ground. Um, you know, Moses, his face became radiant. But, but the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 3 says that we have access through Christ to a glory that makes the glory that Moses experienced almost nothing, you know. <laughs> it, it makes it pale in comparison. So if Moses' face was shining with light, how much more ours, you know? And, and people should be able to see that. And um, 
I started to learn that we could pray for people and they would feel the 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 Lord's glory come on them like a weight. And we've had this experience many, many times. So the so what what's interesting is you were talking about the light. The the thing that popped into my head was in, in Genesis it says, and the Lord said, Let there be light, and it was good. And I and what I'm thinking about is that there's something significant about light. Light has a goodness to it. Light brings life. That in the light, that darkness can't stand. You can't have light and dark standing in the same place. Something has to give, and it's always, it's never like darkness consumes the light. It's always the light consumes the darkness. So there is something that's so particular about God always using that metaphor about light because the light and, and even people who have gone to heaven, they say that the the brightness that that people have seen. I mean, um, to to kind of go out on a limb here, somebody prayed for me to uh, to go to heaven, and what I saw, um, and as I was sitting in a chair, but my spiritual eyes saw, I actually saw the river of life. And what surprised me, it it wasn't a river, Jonathan, but it was light. It was complete light. That's all I saw. And, I, and at first I was like, wait, is this a sea of glass? But then it started to make sense because it was coming from the throne room. And it was really interesting because it had light in it. And, and so the glory, the glory of the Lord, you know, there is no sun because the glory of the Lord shines in heaven 24-7. There is no darkness, that there's only light. And in, and in hell, there is no light, there's only darkness. So there's those different metaphors that talk about the light and the dark to really make us understand about who he is and what he wants to do. And that is to shine upon us and to bring us into a revelation where there is no fear, because in light, there is no fear. But in darkness, people, but man, you can be really afraid. A lot of people are afraid of the dark. <laughs> Exactly. And uh, it, it, Corinthians, it says that the God of this world has blinded the the minds of unbelievers so that they wouldn't see the light of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the face of Christ. And, and so it's, 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 it's through coming to Christ that we come into the light. But in the same way, it, it says in Colossians that just as we began to live in the Lord, we should continue in him. So um, it's like just as we first came to the Lord, we we walk in light by coming back to him, by seeing again what Jesus has done, by receiving his forgiveness. Because, the, the you know, we could be Christians we, and we've received the Lord, we've been born again, but the accuser of the, the brethren comes and he throws all these lies and accusations at, at us. And we need to be established in what the Lord has done and come back to the truth of forgiveness. Um, because as we do that, as we really walk in that, there's an incredible joy. And if we're believing the gospel, it says that in his presence there's fullness of joy, Psalm 1611. There should be an incredible joy, you know. If, if we're lacking in joy, we have to... Um, to, we have to really examine and look. Where has Satan lied to me that has got that has messed up my perspective? You know, uh, what has happened to my perspective that I am lacking in joy? Am I listening to a voice of condemnation? Am I listening to to, to, to lies, to a voice of hopelessness? You know, um, but there's there's fullness of joy in His presence. And really, the Bible says that the, the glory of the Lord fills the earth, but it's the knowledge of his glory that will fill the earth. And it's when the knowledge of the Lord fills the earth that the wolf is going to lie down like the lamb, and it says, no one will harm or destroy a, a, a my holy mountain. So when it's the knowledge of the Lord fills the earth, earth will be like heaven. But the gospel is very clear in uh, Hebrews 9 and 10, that the gospel is about having access to heaven right now. And if, if you look at it, it says that the tabernacle in the old covenant, the holiest place was, a sh everything was a shadow of heavenly realities. And Jesus didn't just enter the, ta the tabernacle that was a shadow of the real thing, but he entered the true holy of holies, which was heaven itself. 
to appear before God for us. And then it goes on to say that the veil into the Holy of Holies, and now the Holy of Holies is heaven itself, the veil was Jesus' body. So when Jesus' body was torn, the heavens were rent. And in Isaiah, there's that prayer, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Well, when Jesus' body was torn, it was a fulfillment of, of the heavens being rent. And when Jesus came in the flesh, it was a fulfillment of God coming down. So God already rent the heavens and came down. And then what it says in Hebrews 10, it says that we should boldly approach God's presence, that we should enter the Holy of Holies. And now if you look back at what it's saying, the Holy of Holies that Jesus entered was heaven itself. So the Holy of Holies is talking about us entering, isn't the old Jewish tabernacle or, or temple, is heaven itself. So um, and, uh, access to God's presence that we have through Christ is present access to heaven. We have access to all of heavenly reality right now. But the scripture says that we're growing in the knowledge of the Lord and the eyes of our hearts are being opened. But when, when you know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. So this is a possibility for us now. It's growing in the knowledge of the Lord we can walk in all the reality of heaven right now because we have access to God's presence. It's the same thing as access to heaven. Well, it's a birthright. That's exactly what it is. I mean, once we've been grafted in, we've, it becomes a birthright. And and you have a birthright to go to, to, to heaven. It's a birthright. Exactly, exactly. And, and, it, it doesn't have to be a vision like my grandmother experienced. Because I, I've just had an ex, uh, just the Lord opening my eyes, seeing his goodness, and I've, I feel like I've been to heaven many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I haven't had a lot of visions, you know. Um, th- there was one time I did have a vision, uh, and it was about entering heaven. And, and I saw a vision of a lot of people banging on a wall, trying to get into the Holy of Holies. And th- th- it was funny because there was a door into the Holy of Holies, right beside them. And there are only a few people going in and out, and they're having miracles happening all around them. But but most of the people were were um, banging on this wall. They, they couldn't even see the door, and they had a battering ram. <laughs> and they're praying and fasting and asking God to run the heavens. And there's a, a battering ram, and they're working up their strength, and they're trying to break through the wall. And... Um, and I realized that I, as a Christian, I lived in this place for a long time. I, I, long, for a long time, you know, I was born again. Um, but there were these subtle mindsets that had kept me from really understanding the gospel and experiencing its fullness. For example, um, I, I, I was asking God, I was begging God to rend the heavens. I, I didn't understand in Hebrews that the heavens were rent when Jesus' body was torn, his body was a veil. So it was like asking God to send a sacrifice for sins all over again. And, and, and by trying to get to God to come down, it was like I was denying that Jesus came in the flesh. Now, now of course, I believe that Jesus came in the flesh and he died for my sins. But by praying these prayers without understanding what I was saying, I was really hindering myself from experiencing the, 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 the fullest of heavenly reality that was available to me. And so it felt like with all this fasting and praying and, and everything I was doing, there weren't many miracles happening, you know. Um, and then the Lord showed me that it was deception to try to enter his presence by, by prayer or by fasting or by anything else. But, of course, I think fasting is good and prayer is important. But we're, we're to, to pray because we're in his presence, because we've already entered through the door, through Christ, not, not, not to try to get into his presence, not to try to reach some level, you know. The other thing was that I was trying to reach some spiritual level. And, and by doing, I was trying to come to, you know, a higher spiritual level where miracles would happen for me. <laughs> But the Bible says in Romans 10 that the, the righteousness that comes from faith doesn't say who will ascend into the heavens, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But the righteousness that, it, that, that comes by faith says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. 
that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And, you know, we, we, we apply that a lot of time to, to being born again. Uh, and it's, it's, it's right to apply it to being born again, where the Lord gives us a new heart and a new nature. But salvation in Scripture is also a continual thing. It's God's continuing deliverance in our life. And there's many places that we can see that. In fact, the, the word sozo was used, uh, it's the same word in, 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 in uh, scriptures like John 3.17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you're saved through faith. Used repeatedly in the Gospels uh, to talk about Jesus healing people. It said in, in Mark, everyone who touched him was made whole. It's the same word in Ephesians 2.8, by grace you're saved through faith. And so the same thing in Romans 10 is, is God's continuing deliverance. And this has to do with healing. It has to do with um, deliverance from demonic oppression. And in and, and the same way, we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. What I was doing by trying to obtain to this certain spiritual level, it was as if I was denying... Uh, it, like it said in Romans 10, the righteousness that comes from faith doesn't try to ascend into he- the heavens. I see, I was trying to ascend into the heavens, but Scripture says I've already been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. By trying to ascend into the heavens and, and attain to this level of spiritual authority where I would be able to uh, exercise dominion over the works of the enemy, I was denying that I had been raised with Christ. So it's like I was denying the resurrection of the dead. Uh, you know what's interesting, Jonathan, is as you talked about that entire vision that you saw, I saw a couple of things because I I could actually see what you were what you were describing. I, I started to have a visual of it of myself and what what the Lord was showing to me. There were a couple of scriptures that came to mind. The first one is freely I give, right? And and that that was the door that opens because He wants to give us entrance. And he, and then when you started to talk about coming through Jesus. He says, I am, you know, I'm the, the way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless they come through the Son. And so what was, what I was seeing with the battering ram and the people banging on the doors, I actually could see the, the, the wailing walls. But it was an old way of doing things. See, the wailing wall was the old way of doing things, of beating and pleading and begging and, 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 and even demanding at times and, and trying to force God's hand. But see, what, that wall is still, it's a wall and it's blocking us from entrance and, and the door was Jesus and, and that people could, and people, cause you could see people coming and going freely. They were going in and out. No big deal. And I, I think that's the problem with the church right now, not just with with um, with people who are Christians, but but basically anybody who's in the church because they're banging and they're and they're demanding for things to move and for things to change. And if they, and if it doesn't work through God, they're going to start doing it their way there. And, and it's almost like um, it, it's just an old mindset. And I just feel like God is just really trying to release people into this better way of coming in. That, that the door is open. All you have to do is just walk through it. Like it's not locked. It's not like, cause you didn't say that people had to knock at the door and then it opened. The door was open and you said that they were freely walking by, correct? Yes, yes. And, 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 and see, that was what I experienced later in my life. At that conference, I became convinced it was God's will to heal. I saw maybe 500 people healed in a, a few minutes just at, at the conference when everyone was praying for each other. I was so overwhelmed. Um, by what I saw. Actually, I, I laid hands on a guy with leukemia and an angel walked behind his back. It was like the things I was dreaming of experiencing for so long, you know. And when I came back from that conference, I started having flashbacks of, of people being healed. And of, I just start crying or, or, or laughing because, uh, you know, someone would tell me they have this problem. I start laughing because I'm having a flashback already of people being healed. And so... Um, I, the, the more that I began to, to, to get into that, I, I just started crying and, and I, I, I would read the gospels again and again and I'd read about Jesus healing all these people and I'd cry because I felt like I barely understood who Jesus was before. And I loved the Lord very much before that, you know, I was born again for a long time before that. I felt like I had barely understood 
Jesus' love, Jesus' heart, Jesus' compassion. And so um, more and more of these miracles began to happen, and it got to the point where I really began to learn it's not by our works, you know. <laughs> it says in Galatians that God doesn't give us his spirit or work miracles among us because we obeyed the work, we did the works of the law, but because we believed what we heard, you know. And a lot of that comes through in the Power and Love Sandwich book is how seeing these miracles has affected me because uh, a lot of times there's meditation built that have the gifts of the Spirit will lead you into pride, uh, that they could make you vulnerable to falling to Satan. And, and part of that was uh, is because of a wrong understanding of the thorn in the flesh like we talked about, because people think that the thorn in the flesh was sent by God to keep Paul from becoming proud. Um, but, but what's really happened is that it's just humbled me. <laughs> I've just been so overwhelmed with God's goodness as revealed through his power. Uh, they, they just go hand in hand. And so um, I began to have just things happen all around me. And, you know, it's like I had a bad day at work. I yelled at my coworker. I wasn't feeling good. You know, I wasn't feeling spiritual. <laughs> you know, not in the miracle working mode. <laughs> and And I'm just coming home from work, and I drive by a guy in a wheelchair, and I stretch out my hand toward him just as I'm passing him in the truck, because it's a normal thing to do, you know, and I just feel overwhelmed by God's love, and I just almost like crying there in the truck. The next day I go to this place, there's like 40 people who don't know the Lord, and and like three quarters of them were healed, you know, and (laughs) this is after a bad day of work, you know, it's nothing to do with my spirituality. But but what I find is that even when I feel like my heart is getting hard, the the love of God that's been revealed to, to me uh, through seeing the things that he does has just so softened my heart again and again and again. <laughs> it's really transformed me. And um, and so uh, it's, a, it's a big lie from the devil that you have to come to this certain level of spirituality or or that you have to be having a good... You know what? Just... You messed up, but the Holy Spirit is still working in you. And just put your focus on what the Holy Spirit is doing in you, you know. And stop focusing on what, how you messed up or what you did wrong. Focus on what the Holy Spirit is doing. You know, you, you yelled at your husband or wife. You you screwed up in some other way. You had a lustful thought. Just focus on what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And once you see what the Holy Spirit will do, um, it's going to reveal the nature of God to you in a way that's going to transform you. And you know, yes, you know, what's really interesting, Jonathan, is that there, there's a couple of things, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is that when you see somebody who's hurting, you're so filled with compassion that you, you cry. Well, that was the nature of Jesus. That's what he did. When he would see something, he said he was moved with compassion. When he saw the broken, come to me like that was his heart cry so as I think that what you were saying um, about like people who wanting you love Jesus you love God but you just you really didn't know him and it, and it just I, I use this analogy because I, I've told people if you read an autobiography about somebody do you really know them you don't because you just know what they say you just know the words that were written but you don't get to feel their heart. You don't get to see their mannerisms. You don't get to, to, to know their emotions and, and, and how they handle themselves or conduct themselves in certain situations. But see, when you're in the presence of God, you start to understand those subtleties, just like a, um, a bride and a groom. They, they think they know each other until they live with each other. Because when they live with each other, there are different intimacies that are revealed through the marriage that they didn't get when they were just courting. Because there's a there's a um, a letting go and a letting in process, and as we let go of ourselves, God lets us in, and we let Him in, and He starts to reveal His nature. That's why I think that people who truly like spend time with the Father know His heart about healing. They know how it wrecks Him to see people who are are, are suicidal or who have pain, constant pain, or or those who even mourn. We want to take that from them, but some people just don't want to give it up. 
because they've been under a lie. It's not their fault, but they've just been under this lie or this, this, um, this statement from, from somebody that this is your cross to bear. And Jesus makes it very clear. He says, take mine because my yoke is light. Give me your burdens and I'm going to give you mine because mine is light and it's easier to carry because he helps us. But I think that until we come and step out of that place of, I'm going to do it. It, 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 you know, Jesus can. He's a gentleman. He doesn't just come and, and grab our stuff from us. He waits for us to ask him. Yeah. Well, I, I knew the Lord. Uh, I, I knew the Lord before that. But like scripture talks about growing in the knowledge of him. So I started to feel like I had barely known him. Yeah. And I, I, I did love the Lord very much, you know, before any of the miracles. The Lord delivered me from so many things. You know, I, I, I knew the Lord's love. Uh, but, but when I saw Jesus' heart to heal, I realized it's such a major thing in Scripture. It's like one of the things the Gospels talk about the most. This is one of the issues is that when, when Jesus came in the flesh, and the Bible says that the Antichrist spirit denies that Jesus has come in the flesh. And one aspect of that is that the Gnostics were a religious group that denied that Jesus came in the flesh because they believed that the spirit was holy and the flesh was, uh, was, wasn't was holy. What happened was that uh, there were two extremes that came out of that. One was that people thought, my spirit is holy and my flesh is corrupt, so I, I, it doesn't matter what I do with my body. It's gross, so it came to gross sexual immorality. <laughs> the other thing is the body is evil so sex is evil and it it turned into like the victorian era kind of thing but the fruit of it ended up being sexual addiction and sexual immorality as well you know and um uh, so one of the truths that we see in that jesus has come in the flesh is that the body is holy and in scripture especially if you look in the original language like we talked about in isaiah 53 the translators, I think, were afraid to really translate what it said because it's the same word as in Job. He carried our pains and sicknesses, the same language as he carried our sins. Uh, the same thing with, I think it's just another meaning, but we don't realize it's the, it's the same word, sozo, in Ephesians 2.8, by grace you're saved through faith, and Jesus healed all who touched him. All who came to him were healed, were made whole. The same word. So, um, So there's... We have to understand the body is holy to the Lord, and that's a basis for physical healing. You know, uh, the Lord wants us to be able to feel His presence in our physical bodies. You know, uh, and He wants our, our spirits and our souls to be filled with His goodness as well. Um, and, and so, part of what uh, happens is that Satan is always working to desensitize people through spirits of violence and lust. Uh, people become desensitized to the value of the human body. And so what happened, the Holy Spirit resensitized me to the value of the human body. So healing does that. When you see healing miracles that are just so, you weep, you know, because you, you see the, the desperation of these people who have been in pain for years. And, and many times I just start laughing. Other times I started laughing uncontrollably. Because I had flashbacks of people being healed, you know, or because people are being healed in the moment, you know, and are being resensitized. What that, what that does, it demonstrates the sanctity of the human body and it builds this like godly barrier against the spirits of lust and perversion that are trying to enter in people's lives. Uh, and, and so it, it, it has a potential to transform society. Because these spirits of lust and perversion, you could trace them back to about probably every problem that we have in our societies. Which is basically, it's because the Antichrist spirit denies that Jesus has come in the flesh. And so it says the body is evil. And, 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 and this, this leads to this uh, spirit of perversion, of, of violence, uh, and to every other. Because basically what it says at first John, every spirit that is not from God is Antichrist. <laughs> you know? So it either acknowledges that Christ has come in the flesh and is from God, or it denies that Christ has come in the flesh and is not from God. This is how we could test the spirits, but, but also under, you know, demonstrating the truth that Jesus has come in the flesh through compassion and through sensitizing people to the value of the human body. 
it has a potential to trans to completely transform people's lives and transform whole societies. Now, and you know, it, it's very interesting because you know, when when you were talking about the perversion, you know, that's the biggest thing. At the fall, everything became perverted. <laughs> like not just in a sexual way, but like the way that we think, the way that things were set up by the father after the fall, they became different. They were perverted. They were changed from the original intent. And so there is something that, you know, the father wants to fix. I mean, it, and it even comes down besides for for healing. It's also emotional healing. And, it, and it's also the way that we see the father as far as provision, because, you know, Jesus talked about it. He talked about provision because they remember that when they came, they were descendants of, of the Israelites from Egypt. And when they actually left Egypt, you know, the father had to teach them about provision. He had to explain, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to send this stuff to you. You don't have to hoard it because I think like we'll talk about like the spirit of gluttony or the spirit of um, of greed. That's a fear that there isn't going to be enough. So you have to keep it to yourself that you need to take more and more and more and more and more because there's not going to be enough for you, that there's that there's that something's going to happen and there it's going to be cut off. So it's almost like a um, a fight or flight mentality that I'm just going to take it all because I need it all. I need it. I need it. I need it. But it's a perversion of the father being provider. So, you know, there's um, there's so many things, I think, that that God is really trying to help us to understand in this in this season. I think he's trying to teach us about healing. But I also think he's trying to to teach him about who he is as a father. I mean, there you know, we've been hearing this song here in the States, well, especially on this one Christian radio station. Good, good father. And I've been listening to it. And when I listen to it, I just smile because he is a good father. And and he knows our every need. He knows what he wants to do. He has a a, a plan for us. He he's giving us a hope. He's giving us a future. But we just have to sit on his lap, just like your grandmother did. We have to sit on his lap and just take in his goodness because he is good. That's who he is. He is good. So I wanted to ask you, Jonathan, what made you come up with this the power and love sandwich? Um, when, when I, when I started to see miracles happen, I began to realize how much of a false dichotomy was in the church, um, that kind of put the, the power of love and the power of God and the love of God or the nature of God at odds with each other. Um, for example, I always heard this statement, seek God's face and not his hand. But the seeking God's face is about a revelation of his nature. And in scripture, you see all through scripture, and that's what I, I wrote about in the power and love sandwich. They're inseparable. The love and power of God are inseparable in scripture. And God's nature is revealed through his power. <laughs> you know, I never had such a revelation of God's nature as when I began to see people healed. I, I, I rarely prayed for a- anyone who was in tears because of the love of God uh, until I started to see miracles happen. But, you know, when I started to see uh, people f- tangibly feeling the weight of God's glory coming on them, when I started to pe- see people getting feel, uh, free from pain, experiencing God's power, I began to very often see people in tears, <laughs> you know, and I'd be in tears because of the love of God. You know, so actually that, that saying, to seek God's face and not his hand, it was keeping me from a real revelation, a real experiential heart revelation uh, of the love of God. It was keeping me from the fullness of that. And I, I began to learn some of the the roots of this, this kind of false dichotomy between the, the love and nature of God. Uh, one you can see in Matthew Henry's commentary. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote there. I don't have it right here at the moment. But uh, Matthew Henry basically said that people who are endowed with spiritual gifts, they better be prepared to go through more afflictions and and, and unusual levels of suffering that are going to be necessary to keep them humble, you know. And we already talked about the thorn in the flesh. And see, one of the lies there was, I talked about that in the Power and Love Sandwich as well, because one of the lies was that God needed to give Paul... Uh, a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble because he had heavenly experiences. And the truth is, 
that it's, it's a it's a very bad understanding of the nature and work of the Holy Spirit, because you should expect the same Holy Spirit that produces that 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 it gives you the power of God that works a, that works miracles through you to produce the fruit of the Spirit in you, <laughs> and just the very fact that you're opening yourself up to to God's power is you should expect to increase in humility as you see the Lord's nature revealed through His power. Um, so um, a lot of it is dealing with these, these, these are mindsets that I encountered that are in the charismatic church among people who believe in spiritual gifts, but they're afraid of them, that people are afraid that I'm going to become proud. Actually, I, there were times when I began, when I started, I seeing so many miracles talking about it all the time. And, and some people, they, they felt like maybe I was being arrogant. And, and I started to become very introspective and feel like maybe I'm becoming arrogant. The Lord told me I was just feeling what other people were thinking, but, but they were wrong. <laughs> so, of, of course, I uh, had to forgive them because I probably misjudged people like that myself, you know. But, um, but the, the scripture, uh, see, because of fear of pride, we can become afraid of talking about what the Lord does. Scripture commands us to talk about what God does. It's our responsibility. And it says that if I were to, to talk about all his works, I'd be more than numbered. And, you know, even in my life, I couldn't even think of all the miracles and testimonies. that I, I can't even remember all of them, you know. Um, but then uh, it's, it's the which really makes a case for having a revelation of God's nature through his power. The sandwich part came from Second First Corinthians twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. And see, one of the things I heard a lot of people quote was the love chapter, First uh, Corinthians thirteen, and it says, "If if you have faith that can move mountains, and you have all kinds of spiritual powers and gifts, but you don't have love, it's nothing." You know that's true, but the thing is, a lot of people quote that in the spirit of saying that the power isn't important. In reality, they're inseparable. They're inseparable throughout Scripture. And so what kind of love doesn't desire God's power to minister to suffering people? You know, if you've ex- experienced how the Lord has, has touched you, has helped you through a word of knowledge, if you've been healed by the Lord and experienced the Lord's love in that way, you want other people to experience that. And so it's the love of God that drives us. And it says to eagerly desire spiritual gifts and strive to excel in them. You know, so uh, it's, it's important that we seek the Lord's power and that we don't miss the point of his power, but we understand the revelation of his love that comes through it. But um, power with see, love without power is like faith without works. You know, it's like in theory only. What's faith without works? It's, it's a theory. Love without power is a nice theory, but it's not really the real thing, you know. And so these are inseparable. And in Psalms it says there's two things I've heard about God, that he's powerful and that he's loving, you know. And so once I was talking about this with some friends, and there's a, an older guy who's now with the Lord. He's a guy I really respect. Um, after I spoke about desiring spiritual gifts because we're driven by the love of God, he stood up and said, I I think Jonathan's right about this. I think we should listen to this. And uh, Second Corinth, First uh, Corinthians twelve, thirteen and fourteen are a sandwich, because chapters twelve and fourteen are about spiritual gifts, and chapter thirteen is about the love of God. So we should have power on the outside and love in the middle. <laughs> I love that. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Because I, you know, and it, what was interesting is that. The whole, um, the whole thing about love, you know, it, it's not about an earthly love. I think that's sometimes what people misunderstand. It, I, I, I have often said to people, ask for the Father's heart. Because once you get the Father's heart, you will be wrecked for life. Because you, you love so differently, so much more powerfully, and your intention is to set the captives free. It, it's not like, oh, if I don't do this, it's going, you know, then I'm going to look like this, or I'm going to, no, no, it has nothing to do with you. It really becomes about that person. And I think that's the, the beautiful part 
uh, uh, that, that, that whole, you know, that there's a sandwich between the power and the love. Because really, the, it's, it's the love that generates the power. So if you really think about it, if you think about a power plant, okay, it's the water that generates it. Well, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that generates the, the power. So it's like you have this ever moving, like, amount of energy and power that is just going out through all these people to show the works of God and, and just to love on people who have been in, in such broken, broken places. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I, I talked about was there's a lot of fear of signs and wonders because people ask, where is that in the Bible? Uh, and, and I really talked about that as well because there's a lot of signs and wonders that are a bit strange. Uh, and I talked about getting the, the, the revelation of God's love through them. I talked about a lot of things like, like gold dust and gems that are common and some other things, you know, that are a little different. <laughs> but, um, but I talked about experiences with them, but really looked at a, a, a scriptural viewpoint of there's a lot of criticisms of them that are based on faulty premises. And, and I also talked about lying signs and wonders, which I've experienced. I mean, I, I live in Brazil and there's Macumba and there's, uh, there's spiritism and I've been to a lot of places where people in, are involved in, in different things that there are lying signs and wonders. Lying signs and wonders are, are signs and wonders that lead you away from Jesus, basically. But, um, I, I think it, that's, there's a really helpful section in there on, on signs and wonders that should really encourage people. And should uh, the whole book is designed to deal with these things that have made the charismatic church, people who already believe in the gifts of the Spirit, afraid of the working of the Holy Spirit in power. So now let me ask you a question, Jonathan. Where can somebody acquire the Power and Love Sandwich? It's on, uh, it's on Amazon. You could also get it through my blog, which is... Um, go to heaven now.com. Okay. <laughs> the, the go to heaven now blog also has a lot of really encouraging uh, posts that are they're, they're mostly mix of testimonies and scriptures. Okay. Actually, the testimonies kind of illustrate the truths in the scriptures. <laughs> and do you um, can people also reach out to you through Facebook? I mean, do you have a fan page? Yeah, I have a I have a Facebook author page and, and I have my regular page as well, uh, Jonathan Bredebid. So if you guys want to connect with Jonathan, you can reach out to him through Facebook. You can also get his book on Amazon.com, and that is The Power and Love Sandwich, which I love the name. I think that's so great. So before we close, Jonathan, would you mind, like, saying a prayer for those who are listening? Sure, sure. Uh, by the way, I don't mind getting private messages on Facebook uh, uh, or, or my blog about Facebook is better for, for prayer requests. I, I love praying for people. Through Facebook, and there's been people healed almost the other side of the world through that. So, uh, if, uh, you're not gonna bother me if you have requests, and I'd, I'd like to see what the Lord will do. But anyways, I'll, I'll pray for everyone. And God, I thank you for everyone that's listening to this. God, in, in Jesus' name, may they feel the weight of your presence uh, come on them. May they feel your goodness come on them. God, I pray that people would feel your your power in their bodies right now in Jesus' name, that they would be overwhelmed by your love. God, thank you that you would open the eyes of people's hearts, that they would see Jesus, that their faces would become radiant, that they would be filled with the fullness of joy that's in your presence right now. That they're just the peace of God. Let the peace of God come on them in Jesus' name and crush all the works of the devil. In Jesus' name, may the peace of God drive out everything that's not in heaven in their lives right now. And every bit of oppression and sickness, go in Jesus' name. <laughs> thank you, Lord. And thank you for sending angels to continue ministering to the, the people who are listening to this, that their lives would never be the same, that they'd have a revelation of Jesus that would be greater than anything they'd ever experienced before. Thank you, Lord. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I pray in agreement and I say more. Give them more, Lord. Let them, let them feel you. Let them see you. Let them be touched by you in every way, shape, and form that you can 
you can do. So, Jonathan, I think that you're awesome. I just think this has been such a great, great time, and your revelations have just changed a lot of the stuff. Um, I hope that you guys have been blessed. If you'd like to reach out to Jonathan, you can find him on Facebook. You can actually send him prayer requests. You can also go to his blog post. Jonathan, can you give me that blog post again? Uh, the, the blog is www.gotoheavennow.com. So that's gotoheavennow.com. You can also go to Amazon and you can get his latest book, which is The Power and Love Sandwich. There's going to be some more books. So, um, but this is going to be, uh, this is uh, the beginning of many, many great books to come from you, Jonathan. Many great books. I see a library. <laughs> so. Be prepared to to write a lot more. Thank you, Lisa. So I hope you guys have been blessed. Thank you, Jonathan, for coming on Touch by Prayer. Thank you for spending some time with us. And just thank you guys for listening. I hope that you guys have been blessed as much. Just remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.